G'day folks, it is The Coach. Welcome back to the talking series. We are talking all things Cities of Sigma. We're talking about the allegiance that I'm playing currently at the moment, so I can't wait to talk to my guest. It is Goddamn Gary. Goddamn Gary has got me up super early in the morning to record on a Saturday when my wife is in bed. But we are talking all things Tempest Eye. Uh, I can't wait to unpick Gary. Gary is an expert when it comes to character and overlords, which is the ally, or not even really the ally. It kind of gets brought into cities. So it's like this combo KO slash Cities of Sigma. And it's a, oh, I love this book and I love this battle tome. Before we get there, Gary, you're straight out of England. You are well known on the Twitterverse and you are well known for playing quirky lists that. Uh, some people may have taken to events and run uh, very well. How are you, Gary? I'm good. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, all good. Anything else I can introduce the world to? How, how, how did goddamn Gary even come about? Uh, that was my mate, Danny. Um, and people had a habit of leaving WhatsApp chats after I started saying anything. So every time someone left, everyone just stopped, started saying, God damn it, Gary, because someone else had left the WhatsApp chat. So it kind of stuck. It's usually followed by about three or four exclamation marks as well. God damn it. All right. Well, it is good to have you here. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Um, I've been playing around with a whole bunch of variants to the list, and uh, I'd love to compare notes around how you're running them and how you're playing with them and, you know, finding how you're tapping into the strengths of the book and, you know, being very fortunate to send me a couple of lists as well that we'll kind of base our discussion around. Um but before we got in there, how did you get into this game? How did you get into Warhammer Age of Sigma? Uh, Age of Sigma was supposed to be a distraction for six months while I was waiting for 8th edition 40k to drop. Because um, I didn't really like 7th edition. I've been playing 40k for 20-something years since, like, Rogue Trader. Um, Age of Sigma had kind of come about. I wasn't really a fantasy player. Um it kind of looked kind of cool because it was on a circular basis. So I thought, while I wait for the new edition to drop for 40k, I'll just do something. Use my demons. I had a few mm. demons, which obviously cross cross over. And which um, demons? Which demons, by the way? I had corn demons. So okay. yeah, when I, when I first started Age of Sigma, it was my corn kind of it ended up being like a the old mixed blood letter bomb kind mm. of yeah. So, just because I happened to have a load of corn stuff and. Um, yeah, 8th edition dropped. played a couple of games of it. I went, Sigma's better. So I didn't play any 8th edition, and I've been playing Age of Sigma ever since. Well, hopefully when the 40K release gets announced tonight, uh, if you are watching us live, um, hopefully it doesn't kind of lure you back. But um, it's interesting. We all have a different journey into the game, whether you're a fantasy player, whether you come from War Machine, or you know a bunch of people coming from Magic the Gathering. Uh, it's fascinating how people kind of find this hobby and, and how long they stay with us. So... Um, it's it's pretty awesome. So, I guess the next question I've got is, why Cities of Sigma? Why Tempest Eye? Like, what drew you to this particular ba battle tome? Because I know you are a long term KO player, and you still are a KO, a KO player. So let's not you know, acknowledge a pink elephant in the room. You haven't run away, but um, I, I think we kind of kind of kind of know what what drew you to this part. But yeah, yeah why Cities and and why um, Tempest Eye? Okay, well, it's, it's kind of two parts. I mean, obviously, I picked up the book because it's got KO in it, and it's a new way of using your old models. So, And at the time, KO weren't in the best of positions. Um, 
because this was a good. They they they, they had they had a whole bunch of you know um, changes to their books. Whether mm. it's you know um, you couldn't put all the skyhooks into an Arcanaut company, and you know they obviously had a lot of changes. Yeah, exactly. And this was this was a good six months before the new book came out. So it was just another way of using my KO. So I picked it up mm. to have a little look. But when I did pick it up, I just I'll, I'll go on record and say it's probably the best book GW have done for Age Sigma. I will say that. Just uh, yes, I know it does look like a bit like a dumping ground for old kits, but you know, with the things like Sylvanas being able to be drawn in, Stormcast, KO, you know, all these kind of things. And there's so many fresh ways you can look at it. You can you can pick up the book and make a different list every time you every time you read it. So uh, for someone who likes tinkering with lists, I doodle lists. So for some people might draw funny rabbits and whatever when they're kind of bored. I'll I'll sit there and memorize points costs. And my my doodle pads will be filled with like points costs coming up to two thousand points, uh, and the city's list, uh, city's army book is just amazing for that. You can you can tinker, and I am one of the nature's natural tinkerers. <laughs> it, it, look, it, to be honest with you, it's my favourite book they've ever put out. Not because I'm a long term Empire player who brought his fantasy army over into Age of Sigma. But because of the amount of um, stories and lore that sit in the book, the the world building with maps and obviously Soulbound has kind of added additional layer, especially if you're playing in one of the Akshi worlds, sorry, Akshi cities, such mm. as Tempest Eye. Um, I've absolutely kind of smashed and consumed that lore to kind of get even more knowledge about Tempest Eye, Hello Heart, Anvil Guard, uh, which has been brilliant. But also to me, the conversion opportunity, just mm. seeing how many people have just gone absolutely mental converting, bringing high off kits and uh, old old kits and green stuffing and kit bashing. Uh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm currently kind of, pardon? Just look at Vince's. And then you, then you got people, Vince's, who are drawing things from the 40K world, you know, the Admech stuff that's coming out soon, like the horses and the flying dudes. You know, there's just so much conversion opportunity when you want to bring that into your cities. But um, it's a great book. And Tempest Life for me, I really, I really, really like the rules. And we'll get to the rules in a minute. But um, I, fu funnily enough, I actually used to play a lot of Tempest Eye in when when it was the firestorm allegiance where you, everyone just got plus Same. four no mm -hmm. plus, plus two movement for foot troops and plus four movement for flying troops so that was kind of i really liked the idea of hey plus four movement i was going to move all my griffins and i think i was running two griffins at the time so i'm like sweet i'm gonna run those yeah. griffins an extra, extra well, four inches i think you could do the old um they went to leg leg legacy uh legacy or legend whatever it was but it was the old high off um yeah, it? the Dragon Battalion. No, the the the, no? Little, the tiny flyer little. What, what are they called? They're on like a little griffin, not a big griffin, but like a tiny little high elf griffin. They were mental in the old. Don't you not remember? They they're like like um, nah. tiny little high elf griffin, do but quarter of the size of the Empire one. Nah. It's gone now. Nah. But you could you could use those in Tempest and they were nuts. They were like movement twenty three, turn one. Yeah, like, right. Okay. Part in six inches. Yeah, yeah. I, I play. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're talking to two long-term Tempest Eye players here, but we are <laughs> going to talk about the real Tempest Eye. And um, yeah, no, it, it's a cool army and it's a cool story. It's it's very it's it's cool. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stop saying cool, and I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> um, so generally, you know, very high level, what are the strengths of Tempest Eye as opposed to the other cities that are available in Cities of Sigma? Well. Uh... First thing I would say is the KO. This KO element does bring, obviously, quite a bit of 
firepower to an already fairly firepower-based book, if you want it. Um, and with the way that they work with you know, the one in four, very much like the rest of the book, uh, it means you can quite easily get like a, like a power pair of KO stuff. So you can bring a boat and some guys to hitch on with it. Uh, or you can bring a chemist and a big unit of something. So you, you get, you've got enough play to do some power pairing. Um, so that's quite a big thing. But the, the mass, massive thing is the turn one. Your turn one, mm. whether going first or second, or even, you know, it doesn't even matter if you are going first or second, your, your turn one, your opponent's turn and your opponent's turn is just huge. And obviously a lot of games are, whether you like it or not, one in the first turn, be that out positional you know, blunting attacks, alpha strikes, all these kind of things, beta strikes, the lot. Turn one is usually where the, the, the tempo of the game is dictated and Tempest and I have massive buffs in that first turn. Yeah. I think the fact that you're going to get Cities of Sigma book, then you're allowed, um, and I might bring up the rules here now at this particular point, but you're able to get the Cities of Sigma book, you're going to get access to the Stormcast book, so one in every four units can be Stormcast. That is Cities of Sigma generally, then specific to Tempest Eye, one in every four could be Courage and Overlord. So you essentially have three books you can pull from to build your army in addition to your ally pool, which is yeah. mental. That is crazy. And I think that is the strength of the book that you get access to literally almost anything in three um, in three battle tones and it's not restricted, right? You're not yeah. restricted to, to points. So if you want to bring in one of the big boats, you want to bring a Star Drake, you can tap into something that's quite expensive. Um, and then at the same time, you've got your allies to pull from. So um, that's pretty crazy. Exactly. And you can, you can bring in things like Deepkin as well, you know, as you say, through just generic allies. So there's you can get quite an eclectic looking list if you really, really want to. So I've pulled up the I've pulled up the allegiance rule. So I might just get you know uh, for anyone who's watched this series in the past, you already know what these things do. For people who are tuning in for the first time who haven't really kind of got a, a crack understanding of uh, Cities of Sigma, I, I'm going to go very quickly over the high level rules. I'd love your overview on what this means to you. So uh, first things first, you get the storm the storm holds sorry strongholds of order which basically means you get an, a sub-allegiance. So you get to pick Hammer Hall, Living City, Grey Water. Obviously, we're talking about Tempest Eye here, so we're not going to kind of go too deep in here. But it does mean that you can pick up your models and, you know, next month run a tournament, and, or play in a tournament and be an Anvil Guard. And the army that you're currently playing here is going to function very differently in, in Hammer Hall to Anvil Guard to Tempest Eye to Hello Heart. So you get a, a, a wonderful variety of play styles just by simply switching your allegiance. And I don't think any other book does that. Like you can change your enclaves, you can change your temples, you can change other things in different armies. And it doesn't affect it nearly as much as what these cities do. So mm. big win, big win for us. Um, you got the amplified, uh, amplified endless spell. So basically when your spell successfully casts an endless spell, and it has the rules empowered by the realm, so Akshi or Shimon or Gur or Gairan, um, you get something extra. So maybe I'll drill into this one this one with you. What does that mean for you? When you're building a list and you get this empowered by the realms, ha how does this influence your list design? Uh, well, in, in cities, quite, quite a lot, actually. Um, less now, because I am trying to stop myself using it unless I absolutely have to. 
um, with with the age of you know slam doing board wide dispels and probably techless being able to pull some shenanigans. I'm guessing there is more and more pitfalls to having your entire game plan revolve around a spell. But uh, saying that things like mirrors, bridge, they're all yeah very very powerful pieces if you can especially empowered you know the bridge is nuts when you empower i'm sure you've the soul screen bridge you're talking about here yeah the soul screen bridge exactly yeah it's it's absolutely nuts in cities if it gets off it's it's it is literally just game winning if you can do it properly so basically what what um if you haven't played with endless spells and you're and funnily enough i'm like you i'm actually pulling back a lot my current my tempest i list specifically has no endless spells uh, and some of my, my most recent list have only really had one, which was like the Emerald Life Storm. But basically, you're going to get extra benefits by taking an endless spell. So if somebody casts, uh, if someone else outside of Cities of Sigma was to cast, let's say, Emerald Life Swarm, uh, what happens is you're going to be able to heal or bring back D3 uh, models. With us, it's D6. Um, with uh something like uh, the shackles um they force you to set up the first shackle and then it's within six inches of each other while in cities of sigma it's nine um bridges i think it's like you know it's restricted 12 um you might get 24 but basically if you look at the war scroll there's a little section that says empowered by the realms if it says that uh, it does mean you're going to get extra benefits that would normally mean you would have to specifically say i'm playing in the realm of Akshi. You're going to get this for all of your endless spells, which is pretty neat. Um, exactly. Good good for like your damage dealing, like your gem energy, you get a re-roll there, and there's some cool stuff, but yeah. basically you're going to get more from your endless, endless spells than other people are going to get. Way more bang for your buck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, next thing is what's going to happen is you are stuck to a realm. So specifically, Tempest Eye is stuck to Akshi. Um, why is that? Is because that's literally where the city is. You can't choose Gairan. You can't choose, you know, uh, Hish or Shaish or Shimon. Akshi, Akshi is the, where the city is. So what does that mean for you, Gary, when it comes to um, whether it's artifact selection or, um, or anything else when it comes to, yeah, Tempest Eye being in Akshi? It's actually quite good, actually, because I think the best item in the book is in Realm of Fire, which is the Thermal Rider Cloak. I literally take it in every list I've ever, ever, ever had, or at least looked at had had a long, hard look to see why I shouldn't put it in. Um, but yeah, not, I'd say 90% of my lists have the Thermal Rider Cloak in it. So what it means, team, is that um, you can only choose artifacts from Alliance Sorcery from the realm of Akshi. And so I think, you know, there's uh, Ignex Scales and Thermal Rider Cloak are two, the two of the most popular ones that you're going to probably pull out. Mm. Um, so just something to consider. I've seen some people asking, you know, can I Tempest Eye be from Shimon? I'm like, well, if you're playing a narrative game, yes. But uh, if you're playing in a match play tournament, no. Uh, Warriors of the Realm locks you into Akshi. Next thing is you're going to be able to get these honored retinue. So basically, uh, if your general has a wound characteristic of six or less, um, you can pick a friendly unit to be the retinue, and that re that unit has to be either uh, between five and twenty models. Basically, uh, what happens if you do have a general that has uh, six wounds or less, and you've got a uh, you know basically. You get this thing called the loyal loyal shield. So basically, you roll a basically you're able to palm off mortal wounds. So if your general is within three inches of that honored retinue, 
on a four plus they can part off wounds and mortal wounds to the unit instead um again how does that kind of come into your list design um i know i know recently in my tempest i i'm not even taking a uh, a general with with six wounds or less i've got more mm. of a beat stick monster but how do you see that rule I mean, must be the same. Uh, a lot of the time, especially in Tempest specifically, the the general tends to be uh, very useful when it has a big base. There's there's a lot of AOE kind of auras, for, you know, uh, having a, a general with a command trait. So these work better on big things. So it doesn't happen often. I mean, I have been playing about with assassin generals which is quite an interesting one. So you can actually have an assassin pop out of its own retinue and automatically be mm -hmm. within range for doing things like that. Um, but but generally, it's usually like a like a hurricane or a, a general griffin, things like that. Yeah, it's, inter it's, it's interesting. We've both kind of come to the same conclusion here. So um, in my Hallow Heart, for example, I have like my anointed, which is my general. Um, there's a couple of reasons I've got the anointed as a general or a battle mage or, you know, the knight in Cantor. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people choose a knight in Cantor to be their general. But in, in, in Tempest Eye, you're 100% correct. You know, I've, I'm currently leading into the Black Dragon, you know, the Dreadlord on Black Dragon. I see a lot of people running either the Free Guild General or they're running the, uh, the, the Frost Phoenix. Um, and part of the reason when we get to it in a minute, team, is that there is a whole bunch of, of really cool abilities that come from either a command trait or an allegiance that you probably want to tap into that's going to run with your force. So um, I personally struggle to choose a six-wound character for, although six-wound or less character for my retinue, but not to say that it can't be done. No. I mean, there is definitely play in there. I mean, it's one of the strengths of the books. Just because something's good doesn't mean it's the only route to success. In saying that, I will, I will, I will challenge myself in saying that I'm currently working on a grey water fastness style army. So basically, war machines in Tempest Eye. I, I have this crack theory that um, <laughs> you, you can do a, you can do like a war machine uh, grey water fastness army better in Tempest Eye. So I, I've been thinking about putting my Lord Ordinator or my, um, you know, my Rune Lord or my uh, Engineer, uh, what are they called, Cogsmiths. Um, as the general, because they're going to sit behind the lines with my uh, with my rocket batteries and with my you know my hurricanum. So there is some use, but in most tempest style lists, you're probably going to find that's not as important. Yeah. Um, which also then kind of ties into the next part is that if you do choose that general that's got six wounds or less, you're going to get your uh, wise counsel. But so basically, uh, you get an extra command point on a four plus if they're within three inches of their little homie. Um, and then we've talked about the storm keys. So one in every four can be stormcast. And then what well, the beautiful thing is in Tempest Die, one in every four can be KO. So, I mean, the op op the options are just incredible uh, when you look at KO, right? You know, I I I'm personally in love with the gun hauler. Um, if you really wanted to go into the other bigger ships, you could go down that route. But um... hmm. you can take you can take double uh, ironclad. You can take a double ironclad, and that's pretty mental um, because, yeah, they're, they're pretty crazy. Anything else you want to talk about specifically about cities or we'll kind of dig a little deeper into Tempest Eye? Uh, they don't generally use a lot of the rules. No, no, I found that. I found yeah. I'm, I'm ignoring half the rules in Tempest Eye. In a Hello Heart, I wasn't, but in Tempest Eye, I'm, I'm kind of ignoring a lot of it. Yeah, it's, it's, if it happens, it's nice, but it's not 
it's not key to the, the list building process. No, it's actually kind of opposite, actually. I've kind of ignored it because I, I feel like if I went, if I try to take advantage of the, the honoured retinue, if I try to take advantage of the wise council, I'm almost losing what I'm trying to build. Again, I talked about that war machine build. That's kind of like a one-off that in most cases um, yeah. I'm ignoring it. All right, let's get into the juicy stuff. Let's talk about Tempest Eye and why we're kind of ignoring the core rules that come for Cities of Sigma. So we mentioned earlier we are locked into Akshi. So we've acknowledged Thermal Rider Cloak and Ignex Scales, two of the, the many great artifacts that sit in, in this particular book. Here comes the good stuff. It's the stuff that I really like. Uh, first things first is you get to add three movement characteristic to friendly Tempest Eye units until the end of the first battle round. In addition, add one to the save roll um, for attacks made uh, basically against uh, Tempest Eye. So we basically get three inch movement plus one uh, armor save for the first battle round. Hmm. Um, is that is that a good ability? And um, what does that mean to you? Hells yes, that's a good ability. That is why tem why Tempest Eye meat and potatoes. That is because it's it's plus one to your save rolls. It's not cover or anything. So it's plus one to your save rolls. So if you get cover as well, that's plus two. So you can bunker yeah. down and your your drops are not unimportant, but they're not, it's not as critical getting these low drops. You can just mm. sit there and go, do you know what? I'll just sit here knowing that I'm fast and I'll just bunker up in a bit of cover and turn one, you know, you can throw pretty much most things at me and I'll be pretty tanky. It will blunt a lot of people's, you know, alpha strikes with careful positioning. Um, and they can't even, if you build your army right, they can't even do the opposite and kind of sit back and kind of go, oh, I'll just wait. I'll wait until that kind of armor save stuff comes off and let you come to me. Because you can come to them with your plus three move and your KO and your pistol ears and all these things that kind of make your army very, very fast. It just it, it creates a very uneven footing to your benefit on turn one you know that in in if you're doing it right they feel they can't go against you and they're feeling that they can't stay away from you either they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't yeah it, it, for, for me I've, I've noticed with my interaction with my opponents they've been quite they've been really interesting because um if they give me first turn i have the speed to basically take up half the board space or more and sit there and take a hit because I've got that plus one save. So I can start scoring objectives early. I can take the hit because I've got a better armor save. But in turn, if they take the first turn, especially if you're building around things like flyers, you're going to be able to kind of jump over screens and kind of, you know, swerve and manipulate the board as opposed to being stuck in the middle trying to fight uh, your way through it. So, uh, and then obviously you've got your shenanigans like your KO flying high, your shadow warriors dropping from different parts of the board. Um, that and like where the penny kind of dropped for me was when I looked at some of my units. So I've um I've kind of moved towards some order serpentus things recently. So I've got a dreadlord on black dragon, I have Drake Spawn Knights, and when the penny dropped for me, my my Drake Spawn Knights have like a have a three up or a two up armor save. My dreadlord has a two up armor save in the first battle round. My my knight in cantor has a two plus armor save in the first battle round. My Phoenix guard have a three up armor save with a four up after save that. So a three up save and a four up after save. Like mm. that's like crazy. That's crazy. that's OBR level crazy stuff. 
Um, so, so like when you think about resilience and the fact that, you know, like a dragon or a phoenix or a griffin who normally has a base of like a four, a 14 inch or a kind of 16 inch move, add three and you're basically at 40. You're basically so for 40, 20, 20. Guys, sorry, it is seven o'clock in the morning. I'm losing my mind um, on a Saturday. But you've got a 20 inch move, let alone kind of like any any running or any other shenanigans. So, mm. uh, like, and that's just first turn. And then you can do weird things like you can take your, your Star Drake and you can take an Incantor, not an Incantor, uh, a Heraldor as well, you know, just for, oh, do you know what? I can, I move my move plus three and I can run and charge, you know. There's there's so many, I think there's like 120 different unit choices Tempest I can take, or something yeah. like that. There is there are so many little things and power pairs that you can you can throw into this and still get the allegiance abilities. It's ridiculous. So first up, three inch move. You get a free an additional three inch move for the first battle round plus one armor save. Cool. Sounds pretty sexy already. Second one. Uh, you get to add one to the run roll for friendly Tempest Die. By the way, guys, if you take Stormcast or you take KO, they gain this keyword as well. So they're going to get Tempest Die. So you Stormcast and you KO are going to get all of these abilities too. So we plus one to the run roll. Um, what does that mean? Uh, or how do you tap into that? Well, again, the the, the the thing I said earlier, you can take Heraldors, you can take the Stormcast stuff, you can, you can give them run plus one. And still charge later. Um, you can extend these threat ranges. Um, you can push out, as you say, like turn one, if you've got the first turn, onto these objectives while still being reasonably tanky. Um, there's other things that you can start kind of working into lists as well that can take into uh, you know, the fact that you can run and charge in certain kind of scenarios with certain units as well. So it's just giving yeah, massive threat ranges. Um, in fact, even their own innate battle traits let you run and shoot in certain circumstances as well. So it's, again, just extending threat ranges. It's, it's letting you put things at a certain level away from your enemy and going, doesn't matter who gets the priority this turn, I can get you and you can't get me. And you're just doing this kind of face-off with this superior range almost all the time. In, in addition to that, you know, a couple of things that I'll call out is, you know, my general, I've been taking Swift as the Wind um, recently. So what it means is it allows my general to uh, run and charge. So, again, let's put this into, like, my, my army. My Dreadlord moves 14 or 16, whatever it is. Let's say it's 14 for now. Please don't at me if it's 16. <laughs> but let's say it's 14, right? Uh, I get plus three to the move, so 14 becomes uh, 17. Then if I run, I get plus one, so I'm at 18, plus my D6, so it could be anywhere between one and, and six, uh, and I can still charge. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's pretty, and again, it's not just not just characters. You know, you can take in other units to, to kind of benefit from these things as well. You know, you can get Death Star units of, I don't know, Drake's, Drake Riders for Stormcast as well, or, or Riggers, all these kind of things that you can kind of work in other synergies. It's just yet another thing on the kind of massive list of things that you can do with them that just makes their speed so good. Their, their speed and threat ranges are basically what win you this, you know, your games. And there's a multitude of ways of 
of shoehorning different buffs into it. Outriders of the Realm then ties into the command ability, which is uh, you can use the command ability in your shooting phase. If you do so, pick one friendly Tempest Eye unit that's wholly within tw uh, 12 of the Tempest Eye hero. That unit can shoot even if it ran. So then, you know, I get plus one to my run. And then if I activate the command ability, it's going to allow me to then run and shoot. Uh, and then I know you've got some juicy stuff to talk about where you can then kind of tap into that even more. But um, again, we've got these f fast, fast units. We're taking up the board space, whether it's Pistolies, Outriders, Sisters of the Thorn. The um, and there's a lot of shooting, shooting units you can tap into. Mm. Um, uh, gyrocopters. That's what I use in one of my lists. Yep. Yeah. Three, three gyrocopters, which can, you know, run at the table and then just get all their eight-inch steam guns in range of like blobs of 20 something or 40 somethings and just literally go okay take 60 hits and by the way as, as brian's pointed out as well yes the other ability the, the other benefit that, that i get out of my general's command trait is that he does fight at the start of combat so uh swift as a wind is my absolute favorite i can't walk away with that now unless i'm going in a crazy stupid shooting build so i think we're really stuck up we're really blessed with um both hawkeye and swift as the wing because they're both really sweet command traits. Mm. Um, Swift as a Hawkeye is going to give you benefits to your shooting. Um, Swift as a wind is going to give you some benefits if you want to do more of a combat kind of beat stick. So mm. whichever way you want to go, you've got a really solid command trait. Yep. Anything else you want to add to Tempest Die? I mean, it's, I it's, 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 it's brilliant. It's just how you want to then tap into yeah. the shooting or the, the combat and speed. Well, as I say, like, there's 120 unit choices you could choose for Tempest Eye. Literally 90 minutes of show, just, you could probably not even scratch half no. of what you could do with it. But those tools that you get are immensely satisfying to use in a multitude of different ways with, you know, a dozen different scrolls. It's, it's so I think... And I think that's the beauty of this book as well, is that uh, it does have a lot of options, but then you get stuck you know, running around in circles, just trying to build lists. And, you know, I, I think this is one, the one battle tome that I keep going in a loop. You know, when I, when I built my Gits, when I built my Legion of Night, when I built all my other armies, I've kind of found my list. I've been really happy, but this, I'm just constantly spinning and spinning and spinning because I'm also just like, um, like I'm just kind of, I'm always looking for something better. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm always in like analysis paralysis. So but for me, that's perfect. I love that. You know, that, that literally keeps the hobby fresh. This book alone almost keeps my hobby fresh all on its own. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into one of your lists. So um, Gary has been very kind to uh, give me a couple of his lists. And I want to kind of, we've talked about the allegiance ability. I want to kind of bring this into, into some thoughts and go, right, well, um, we've talked about the plus one armor save, the plus three movement. We've talked about the KO component and the Stormcast component and, you know, how do we bring these rules to life? So you've, you've given me a couple of lists um, mm -hmm. and I, I, I want to kind of put the methodology into practice. Like how does this come to life? So the first list I've got here is, again, obviously we're talking about Tempest Eye. We're starting off with a Hurricanum with the uh, Thermal Rider Cloak and the, the spell Strike of Eagles. So uh, talk me through the methodology. Why, why are we choosing this? What does this mean to my army, et cetera, et cetera? Hurricane is almost standard in most of my Tempest Eye lists. And by default, 
my play style and Tempest side tend to kind of move to the shooting kind of element. I mean, I'll have combat options, but I'm, I'm not done what you've done, which is maybe make combat orientated armies. They tend to be shooting, and Hurricanums, when you come to shooting, are just, you know, just forget about it. Especially when you're adding the Thermal Rider Cloak so you can keep those buffs, um, you know, ticking for longer. You know, uh, you can keep up with the, the, the fast elements of the army. You know, like you can see at the bottom there, you can see the Pistoliers. You know, you can keep that plus one to hit on those on those pistols for, for much longer by keeping up with them. Uh, the Strike of Eagles is is much of much. The spells, I must admit, are probably one of the weaker points of the... You know, one of them's really good, but then they're, they're not the end of the world when it comes to spells. So I like Strike of Eagles just for an extra little bit of long-range poke. Just, so Strike of Eagles is basically you cast it on a seven. Uh, if you successfully cast it, something you pick one unit within thirty, uh, and then you roll six dice. Each four up is a mortal wound. Yeah. So you're, you're probably on average you're doing three mortal wounds. Uh, but the th the lot the thirty inch threat range is, is nice and juicy because you can throw that in with the Hurricane's innate shooting attack as well, which does mortal wounds, and suddenly there's mm. there's, there, there's that quite targeted mortal wound output at quite a decent range. You know, that, that specific, I don't know, slan character. I was, I, I was literally going to say Lord Croak sitting in the back with his little, uh, little his Bailwind Vortex can pop him like it's hot. Yeah, he's like, well, F you completely. There you go. Take take all the mortal wounds that I can throw at you for in a turn. There you go. Um, he's, he's just a very good piece for Tempest Eye generally. Thermal Rider Cloak's obviously allowing uh, the, one of the benefits for me with Thermal Rider Cloak, and I kind of tap into this in my Hello Heart list as well, is that I found that my Thermal Rider Cloak, would, sorry, my, my Hurricane would often get clogged up on the board by the, like the just the general bodies on the table. So being able to fly that Hurricane and give it plus four move just gave it so much versatility and gave you so many more options for that Storm of Shemtech uh, mortal wounds that you're dealing out. Yeah, exactly. Plus, obviously, the plus one to hit or off or whatever you you, you try to buff. Mm. Um, next up, you've got well, – I'll, I'll jump to your general. So you've got the Sorceress, which is a general, and the reason I'm jumping to the general is because then you've got the Battle Mage from Hish, which has got the Adjutant. So we do have uh, the Adjutant. We can kind of, like, tap into, yeah. into some extra CP. So – and I've seen, you know, people choosing, like, double Sorceress, so maybe why the Sorceress and the Battle Mage combo – it's mainly because things are getting more difficult to cast now. Again, we're talking about, you know, uh, it, these things are just getting a little bit more tricky to cast. So if you want spells to go off, the Sorceress is a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good way of doing that just because you can do a sacrifice and then plus it. Um, she's so basically she stabs, she stabs some of those Dark Shards and she yeah. gets plus two to the cast. Exactly. Yeah, and she's got quite a nice innate spell, which is my minus one to hit. I believe that's you know you can you can mess about with with that combined with Hish as well. Hish is a minus one to hit spell as well. Yeah. So you can yes. you can go around just making blobs of things like well not even blobs, but you know you can give like minus two to hit around the place and just kind of play that kind of longevity game a little bit more. Um, again, it's not critical that she's the general you could very easily make hurricane general and and do the kind of roving aoe buff kind of thing that you'd normally do but i do like the idea of trying to use the uh 
you know, the innate abilities that the cities do offer with the, the adjunct and the, and the general on foot using the, the honored retinue. One one other spell. So your battle mage, you can basically when you choose a battle mage, you get to choose which realm he's from. So or her, um, you choose the battle mage, and um, it's not locked to, to Akshi. So good news, you can just you can choose whichever one of the eight. So um, so you are not you're not realm locked with this particular um, sorceress. If that confuses you, I hope it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know one other one that I really like in Tempest Eye is the Gur one. Gur one, yeah. So the Gur one's going to give you. Plus two to movement, so it's a plus two to charge and run rolls. Mm. Um, so that's a yeah. nice little tasty combo if you want to like even just get up even further. Yeah, that's you know again what we were saying earlier. It's like all these extra things. There's things you can piece together to give quite silly threat ranges if you really really want to. It's also a really good one for when you're using the bridge because of the mm. plus two charge. Most cities stuff uh, if you've got a banner. Most of the time, if not all the time, it's plus one to charge for the banner. Uh, I believe. Don't don't again. Don't at me. So, I think it's a music. I think it's a musician that does it. But same thing. Yeah, same same. The same thing. Yeah yeah. But most units, their command mod, one of their command models gives them plus one. So you you're already sitting there at like a six inch charge range after being teleported, which is sufficient. Yeah, it's 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 good enough to plan around getting charges off with things like that. <sighs> Anything else you'd want to add to that? And I know uh, one other call out is the Battle Mage obviously combines really well with the Hurricanum because the Hurricanum is going to give it plus one to the cast while it's in its aura, while the Hurricanum doesn't give the Sorceress because it's only for Collegiate Arcane. So yeah. your, your Battle Mage on Griffin and your Battle Mage on Foot, they're the two things that will benefit from the, the Hurricanum's plus one mm. to cast. Mm. But that gives you quite a solid core of reliable magic. And again, I think that's becoming more and more needed. I think you either need to have a plan for not having clutch spells, or if you do have clutch spells and it is a part of your your battle plan, making sure you've got reliable buffs to casting. Otherwise, yeah. it's probably not worth even trying. And in some armies, you might be making sure that you're deploying outside of 30. Um, yeah. So you, you can get that at least that first one. No, nothing's worse than uh, I've seen a few times with my opponents. They, their strategy has been turn one bridge, but I've made sure to have like a knight encantor sitting there. So if you just auto unbind one spell a game, um, and as long as that encantor is within thirty, uh, I can stop that. So uh, yeah. keep that in mind if you are building because we are moving into this magical supremacy of craziness between Clo- uh, Croak and and Lords of Changes and the Gashes and. Only imagine what Teclos is going to do when he drops on the table. Exactly, exactly. So, so building around magic might not be the right strategy. But I can see we've got a nice little combination forming here between the uh, Sorceress, um, who is the general. We have the Battle Mage, which is the, 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 the adjutant. And then we also have the Dark Shard, which is the Honored Retinue. So one, they're little stabbies. They're going to give the Sorceress plus two to cast. But two, we're going to be able to pass off those wounds and mortal wounds uh, that target the Sorceress so long as they stay within three of the sorceress. Yeah, and they're, they're cheap enough to, you know, they, you know, with the sorceress as general, they become battle line. So, you know, you can you don't have to kind of like take a 10 dark shards unit outside of, of the usual battle line requirements, and they're quite cheap. Again, if the hurricane is nearby, they're actually fairly accurate. They're not bad for 100 points with, with kind of the, the almost inconsequential buffs that you're getting because you want them elsewhere, really, but they kind of happen to pick them up. Just by the, you know by being there, so it's quite a nice little. I quite liked it, and you don't see the dark elf stuff a lot. So. 
No, you don't. And, and most of that dark elf kind of aesthetic, the the um the scourge scourge privateers, the darkling covens, they they normally kind of find their their home in um in Anvil Guard. Uh, not to say that you, that's the only place you can use them, and here's clearly an example. Um, and this all just becoming more and more popular. I'm noticing, um, especially with that plus two to cast. Yeah. Next up, you've got another unit of dark shards. What? What? Why another unit of dark shards? Is that just cheap battle line? Is that more stabby yeah. stabby to get plus two to cast? Or yeah, it's just cheap battle line. It's it's kind of it's just playing the. The, what's the word? You know, when you, you I can't think of the word. It's too late here. Uh, uh, redundancy. That's the word. Yeah. So you've got two units that you can stab if one dies. You know, and the two units that are doing battle line kind of stuff. Why not? You mean you could put in guard. You know, like for some free guild guard. Why not? But just in case ten get lifted off, you've still got another ten to stab and still be casting your spells. Yeah, so it's, it, you you could take a cheap battle line, whether it's flagellants, you could take you know some um, some free guild guard, but I guess for that extra twenty points, you're going to be able to stab them with the 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 sorceress in order to get a plus two cast. Should that other dark shard unit disappear, so I guess for twenty points, um, it, it's almost like a double use as opposed to just free guild guard, which are useless uh, yeah. in this particular build. Yeah, and it's more shooting if you really really want to. And as I say, with plus one to hit. They're not actually that bad. They, you know, they are a significant enough threat to to threaten other kind of ten man chaff units and things like that. I'm looking forward to this discussion. The next part is the <laughs> pistoliers, which are things that you don't normally see in other parts of Cities of Sigma. I, I don't think I've I've seen many, if any, other cities taking pistoliers. So. We've seen some tournament armies that base themselves entirely around pistoliers. You've got a big block of 15. So mm -hmm. why do you take pistoliers? Why not outriders? Um, what if what does this unit of 15 pistoliers bring to the table um, in your army? Because 300 points is a big block. That's like that could be 20 Phoenix Guard. That could mm -hmm. be uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, well, basically, pistoliers just take every single buff that the army gives and just uses it so well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're quite short range, but they're so fast. They're so fast. And then on top of that, you get the, the plus three move at the beginning of the game. They're reasonably tanky and obviously made more tanky by, you know, first turn. You can have them up on a three up saving cover turn one. So they're not really going to be lifted. Um, they can screen, they can, they can, you know, you can use command point to make them run and, Char, you know, run and shoot, sorry. You know, um, but the reason I really like them is because they work in all phases of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously bar by the hero phase. They can move, they can shoot, and they can fight. And you can do quite some techie, some quite nice techie stuff with the fight phase. Because they get to shoot when they charge, that's kind of their fighting. Um, and obviously, if you can get the, the hurricane in range when they're doing that kind of charge phase shoot, you're getting plus one to hit. Um, you can, if you can get like all these other buffs to, you know, to you know, re-roll ones from command points, all these kind of things, you can do all these kind of techie things with them and they just suck all the buffs that you can throw at them so, so well. Um, I know, I know in a previous list, uh, while you take a sip of your drink, um, I had taken a, a frost Lord on Phoenix, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, um, an anointed on a frost Phoenix 
and I'd given them the Korkai trait. So basically um, models within 12 inches of it will get plus one, sorry, plus one to their wound rolls for missile weapons. So all of a sudden you're really bringing down, and like if you had that Frost Phoenix along with the, the 15 Pistoliers, um, and let's say you didn't run them, right? So you just standard move for them so they could shoot if they were in nine inches, and then when they charge, they also get to shoot on the charge. Um, with the Huracanum, with the Hawkeye, I think they were hitting on twos and twos. Yes. Um, and they've got like two, two shots a piece, so you're like double shooting, um, which is some pretty strong numbers, let alone applying a reroll ones to hit from a command trait. So hmm. uh, it's pretty tasty. It's pretty tasty. I mean, and the thing is, because they're shooting, a, like they're, I keep saying shooting, because their charge shoot is only dependent on them having charged mm -hmm. and being in range. You don't have to be in combat or anything. You have, you know, you know, not every single one of those models has to be within an inch or two inches or whatever. You just need one. So you can end up doing these kind of weird little kind of funnel kind of formations where you get them all in nine and maybe one of them's touching. So even yeah. the turn attacks back from whatever you've charged to try and shoot isn't actually getting that many in range. So they're not actually dying that easy because they're only getting very few attacks into the unit on the return. And the next turn you can just retreat out and you know go off and do your thing. It's it's because they you know um, pistolers have got some kind of benefit with that as well, especially in the um, uh, again I'm talking generalities here. Sorry, that yeah, like the, the battalion has got a benefit of like retreating out of combat as well. So yeah, um, pistolers just yeah. I, I put 15 in this because I used the army when I was using 55 of them, and I just loved them so much yeah. that, that I had to put 15 in just because yeah they they work so well. As as kind of workhorses, ironically, they they just they just do everything if you need them to, and three hundred points isn't actually that much if you think about it for for what they do. So if you lose them, it's suddenly not it's not crippling, yeah. You know? I, I was running a, a block of, t of ten. Uh, I didn't think of going fifteen. I mean, I, I had fifteen on the table, but I had a ten and a five. That uh, I think what you're hearing, folks, is that. Uh, pistolies are a good choice if you haven't revisited them, especially in Tempest Eye. They're a nice little harassing unit if you want to have them on the flanks and just annoy people and shoot them. And if they charge them, who cares? It's 100 points of pistolies. But there's also some really nice combinations you can do if you want to make them a nice hammer unit. So uh, something maybe you want to reconsider. Yeah. You've got two units of ironclads. Now, these are our big boats. These aren't the middle boats, the small boats. I've been going the gun haulers, the small boats. You've gone the other way, which is the extreme. So you've gone these two big ironclads. They're 500 points apiece. And you've got the athematic volley cannon mm. as the main gun. Yeah. So why are you putting like half of your army points <laughs> into two boats? Because that's a big question, right? That's a half of an army. Um, why are you bring them to the table? What does it bring that something else couldn't bring? Um, yeah, talk me through this. Just because ironclads are cool. Um, but no, they, yeah. they have got a lot of shots. There is, I mean, when the, the KO book dropped, I did look at the points cost and I was like, that's that's a lot of points. Does, does it warrant it? And after using them quite a lot, admittedly in KO armies, it, you know, I was sticking one in every, every single list. And I was thinking, well, stick them in cities because you, know, you can get the hurricane and buff. Like they're hitting reasonably well anyway. Suddenly a hurricane and buff and they're hitting very reliably with a lot of shots at a very long range 
Um, and they've also got this amazing maneuverability to, to to go around the table to where the shots are needed. I mean, yes, they might not be in the range of the the hurricane anymore, but it's still, if if you could be anywhere, your opponent has to cover everywhere. They have to cover every angle. They can't leave an objective unguarded because you can just lift the boat up and drop it on it. They can't. Yeah, they've even got like a passable combat as well. You know, because they can do mortal wounds on the charge as well, and they've got lots of lots of reasonable attacks and quite tanky. You can even use them as as kind of combat threats, or at the very least, speed bumps. I mean, just charge into big blocks of stuff. You won't die, and uh, you can just sit there shooting at them while you're in combat with them, and they're not doing much to you. While the rest of your army uses spirit superior speed to go around and claim objectives and, and killing key pieces. Um, No, I was just going to say one of the the rules that um, really is attractive for any of the KO boats and why I take the gun hauler as opposed to the the, the ironclad is they've got a rule that you're looking for called sky high, which uh, basically allows you to pick up the model at the start of the movement phase and reposition it anywhere on the board as long as it's outside of nine. So um, it's very similar to like the Shadow Warrior, except you're not putting them in reserve. So to what you're saying, Gary, you can literally like, uh, and I've seen this used so very so often or so successfully, is that if the battle, uh, you're starting to lose the battle on one part of the board or if someone kind of moves off an objective, you can literally pick up your boat and reposition it, even if it was in combat, which is um, a very, very great uh, or tasty option. Um, and then, you know, you just like drop down and just absolutely blast the, the, the hell out of them with the the millions of shots especially like the more the the bigger the boat the more shots that it has yeah um the other slight thing that is underused even in ko armies is the fact that they i mean when you when you fly high it is a setup and it's not obviously a retreat so you can you come out of combat and you can go somewhere and you can still shoot but they do have a genuine retreat-esque move as well which has no stipulation about distance so you can you can just if you've got enough wounds left, because that is one of the stipulations on the war scroll, which is if you've got enough wounds, you can just retreat and still shoot. Um, mm. And obviously that means you could just come to the, like, the minimum three inches because you're not flying high. You're just literally physically moving away. You can, you can use them as bait. Um, you can use them as bait. You can use them as screens if you really need to, especially turn one, um, you know, when they're going to be sitting there on a two-up armor save with a billion wounds. You can throw them into big combat blocks and make that combat block minus two to hit with all the spells that you've got in the rest of the list and just really use them as kind of kind of bulwarks for the rest of your army, which then just takes a tiny tiptoe out of combat and then blasts you and then you kind of put in a position where you can't, well, I've got to charge them again now because they're still on the objective and you know still got minus two to hit and all these kind of things. And then by the time they've spent so many you know, resources trying to kill this boat, you've, you've won the game on objectives or or killed key pieces, which make the, the, the enemy kind of battle plan crumble. You can do so many things with them, the fact that they are not just bound by that fly-high ability. Yeah. Can um, can the Ironclads take balloon boys, your engine riggers and your sky wardens? Uh, what? Transport them, yeah. 
with the, yeah. Yeah, with the, the kind of hitching rule. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to make that point because um, I've seen a little bit of confusion with cities players. So you can't take the, um, the garrisoning. So you can't take a bunch of um, uh, Arconaut company and put them in the boat. But what you can tap into is that anyone with a balloon, so your, your Sky Wardens, your Engine Riggers, or any of those characters with a balloon, and they can hitch on as well. So um, that's going to allow you to, if you, you know, for someone like me who's taking a gun hauler, one gun hauler at 150 points is not enough, but I can put some, you know, Engine Riggers or some Sky Wardens to go with the boat, transport it, and increase the firepower. Um, or you can kind of just do what Gary's doing and just put all your eggs in, like, a 500-point boat and just, 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 go all or nothing, um, which is not a bad strategy, actually. I'm now looking at this going, well, for an extra 100, 150-odd points, I could just go complete ironclad. So, hmm. But it's cool that, you know, if you were stuck for points, you can go back to a gun hauler and get uh, the light version of this. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to touch on it later, but in case we don't... Well, we can talk about it. Yeah. The, the, the gun haulers, the, the battalion, because obviously everyone only has one battalion for each city, the, the battalion for Tempest Eye has two gun haulers in it if you want optional gun haulers. So I've played about with that as well. It's yeah, gun haulers are really, really good. For for 150 points, as you were saying, that they're they're massively, massively uh underrated, I think. Um and you can have a very low drop army with two of these in your army as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um Gary, just before I move on to the list, I just want to clarify and just get just make sure that we're all on the same page here. So with the garrisoning with the boats, my understanding is, and again, I'm not a KO expert here, so I love your insight. The garrisoning of, let's say, Arcanaut Company, that's based off the KO allegiance. So even though on the War Scroll it talks about garrisoning on um, on your gun halls and your ironclads, the only way you can do that with the Arcanaut Company is through KO allegiance. Is that correct? I'd have to get my KO book, and I'll be completely honest. I've not looked at it in respect to cities, because I hate Arcanauts. So I like I literally will never take them if I can possibly help it, and especially not in a cities list. So I've not actually looked at the interaction. But as you're saying that, it makes sense in my head. I would have to go check it. Because yeah, a lot of the garrison stuff is in the allegiance ability, I believe. So yeah. that would make sense that yeah, you wouldn't be able to garrison. I mean, yes, there is some rules on the on the boat itself. I mean, I can get my no, no, that's fine. And, and, and if so, someone wants to clarify that for us and put it in the comments, that would be awesome. But I'm pretty sure from memory when I was looking at these rules interactions, the garrisoning component comes from KO Allegiance, which is why I couldn't garrison anything that wasn't essentially the balloon boys that were going to hitch a ride with the boat, which isn't a true garrison. So um, that was my understanding of that. And it's, it's just good if someone's thinking about, well, maybe I want to take a bunch of ironclads and then put a you know, fill it up with... Um, with other other KO that aren't with a balloon. Mm-hmm. I must be. I'm having a look myself, and I must admit, if you look on the actual rules for ironclads, they've got flying transport, uh, well, it can fly and can be garrisoned by up to 25 marine models. So you could argue, if it appears in both the allegiance abilities and also the war scroll, you could argue that you can do it because it's on the war scroll itself. Maybe something to clarify in the future. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding of the rule was um, the garrisoning came from the KO allegiance. But we won't kind of harp onto that. If, if people have other thoughts, again, put it in the comments. Yeah. If someone's smarter than me in you know, from a KO perspective and has their rules in front of them, 
clarify, clarify, clarify. Yeah, I, I won't lie. It's never come up in my list building because I just don't want to take Arkanauts and Z. So, <laughs> fair call, fair call. Um, all right. So, anything else you want to talk about with this particular list, or do you want to go to your next version? Uh, this was the fun list to, to make. I will try. I want to try this because it looks fun. But this probably isn't the cutting edge of Tempest Eye list building, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. All right. Well, we've got one version. Uh, the next version we're going to show off is um, is version two. So we've got uh, some some commonality here. We've got the, the Celestial Hurricane with Thermal Rider Cloak, the Strike of the Eagles. We've talked about that already. Dust Immortal Wounds 30 inches away. Hurricane plus one ahead. Good stuff. It flies. It moves plus four. Next thing is you've got is you've got the Free Guild General on Griffin. Um, now he comes with the Lance, or you've chosen the Lance and Shield. You've taken the Command Trait Hawkeye. Um, and you've got um, the helm as the artifact. So you're taking this artifact from the, the Tempest Eye artifact selection. Yeah. So talk to me about why the Free Guild General and the combination that you've created. Well, again, as, as with all cities lists, this its its role is chosen by the army as a whole. And obviously, if you scroll down, you can see that there is a shitload of Free Guild pistol lists. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to ruin Christmas. I wasn't going to like tell tell the children what was in the present. I was going to let them salivate and open up the ribbon before we got there. All right. So, for, for, for folks who play that aren't playing at home and what, listening to this on the podcast later, uh, you are going to then come with the Knight of Zeros, fifteen pistoliers, ten pistoliers, ten pistoliers, ten pistoliers, ten pistoliers, and the Aether Guard Wind Riders, which is the Tempest Eye Battalion. All right. All right, let's now let's wrap this yeah. let's wrap the present up for the kids and let them explore. He he let's is part two. He is part two of the Pistolier Enabler. So you've got obviously the Hurricane with the plus one. Now you're looking at Hawkeye, uh, which is just gonna you know it, it was it was good to begin with the Pistolier shooting, and the Hurricane made it really good. Hawker makes it insane, uh, and you've just got these overlapping buffs between the two the two big guys. Um, and just, you know, you're just getting these pistoliers just literally going off the hook with all these shooting. The Patrician Helm is basically uh, helping their one downside, which is their, their bravery. You've got quite big blocks of uh, pistoliers there. You don't want them dying to bravery if you can. So, again, it's a big base general. So you can you can cover quite easily two of those units with a bubble of Battleshock immunity. So he is basically... The, the, almost the nucleus, which a lot of these pistoliers kind of rove around the board, just deleting things. Um, have we covered what Hawkeye does, by the way? Yeah, we've kind of got a just in case we've forgotten. Uh, add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by friendly missile weapons um, by a friendly Tempest Eye unit that's wholly within twelve of the general. So the general, your Griffin, is acting as this beacon of getting plus one to wound only for shooting attacks. Um, so I imagine that we're going to be hugging the general with all of our pistoliers. Uh, one, creating a screen. Two, maximising the amount of people are going to get plus one to wound uh, and hopefully getting plus one attack from that hurricane. So it's a plus one to hit from the hurricane. Yeah, so you, basically, if you're playing it right, those free guild pistoliers are plus one, plus one. And obviously yeah. it's with missile weapons, and the missile weapons they can shoot in the charge phase, so their combat is inadvertently buffed as well. So yeah, you, you can just delete things with with found. Yeah, in a perfect world, each one of those pistoliers is getting eight dice every turn. Yeah, yeah. So two shots in the shooting phase, two shots in the charge phase, 
two attacks in the combat phase from the guy on top and two horse attacks as well. So every single one of those 55 models is potentially getting eight dice. You know, you can, I don't know what eight times 55 is, but that's a lot of dice if you can. Maths. Yeah, exactly. You can do it a lot. Um, it's, 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 it is the uh, stereotypical death by a thousand cut lists if you can play it right. Uh, and this is what I would take to a tournament at the moment with Tempest Eye. I, I am curious on your artifact selection because if this was my list and it, and it's not, but if it was, I, I certainly wouldn't have chosen your the Patrician Helm. I would have chosen the Zephyrite Banner. Um, mm. So that for me, the Zephyrite Banner um, allows you to reroll charge rolls for Tempest Eye within twelve. Um, so again, always like guaranteeing the Pistolies kind but of Pistolies reroll charges anyway. That's just yes. their ability. Uh, yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah, good call. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is, it's not even a command. It's not yeah. even a, uh, is it the musician? I've been, I've, I've, been, I've been running it. I've been using the banner with my Drakespawn Knights, which is why I've been thinking about it a lot. <laughs> but that makes now complete sense. Yes, ignore me. Yeah. Uh, keep, keep me with my Drakespawn Knights re-rolling charges because they've only got a base 10-inch move. Uh, but the Patrician Helm is going to let you uh, ignore Battle Shock with the Holy Within 12 of the uh, of the, the bearer. So, yeah. Um, so no. yeah, Pistoliers basically have reckless riders when they can re-roll, run, and charge rolls just off the bat. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty tasty. Yeah. And you can't re-roll or re-roll. And you can't re-roll, re-roll. No, they get, plus one, they get plus one a charge as well. And and I must admit, the the thing that I didn't anticipate using a lot until I ended up playing with it was the free guild general's command ability. Hold the line. No, hold the line. Um, uh, rousing battle cry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because basically you can pick one friendly free guild hero, which is obviously always going to be him, uh, and until the end of the phase, add one to the charge rolls for friendly field units while they're within twelve inches. So suddenly they're getting plus two because um, their, their their trumpeter gives them plus one anyway. So they're plus yeah. two with re rolls now, just with a command point, and they also get plus one to hit. Protect made with melee weapons by friendly field guild units that are within 12 inches. And a lot of the time, the plus one to hit that they got off of that, and then comboed with the Hurricane as plus one to hit. Yes, it's only four attacks, you know, no rend or anything. But suddenly, four of those attacks in combat were hit on twos. And there was a lot of them. So you were finding that I was actually doing quite a decent amount of damage in combat against certain kind of targets because you were just rolling so many dice and they were hitting on twos. And we're obviously talking about the fact that pistolies shoot as they charge into combat, so you're almost getting two additional attacks. So you're basically getting your shooting attacks mm-hmm. and then you're getting the, the actual combat attacks. So you can almost yeah, exactly, yeah. So these are the combat. Yeah, exactly. So you, the actual, so after your, your two Ren 2 shots and your two Ren 2 charging shots, you suddenly, I was finding I was end up with like four mundane attacks in combat which were hitting on twos anyway and finishing off units so it's it's actually you know really kind of relevant that that his his command ability is is you know is what it is you know it's, it's actually throwing out quite a lot of extra damage which people aren't really expecting no no because you're all about shooting um friend friend of the channel um dean Ock has made a good good point got slash good question uh basically you know you've got a lot of large units here you know you've got 15 10 10 and they've got big they've got cavalry cavalry bases or whether it's 60 by 30s or whatever it is mm-hmm. um do you find it hard to keep within those aura buffs like you know being wholly within 12 to take advantage of say the patrician's helm or um you know the the, the uh, hurricane's possible to hit um kind of but 
it depends on what's happening with they don't have to be within the you know 10 pistolers is is more than enough to take on 10 chaff in any other army usually and you, you're sometimes finding you're doing it in waves so you're kind of kind of going in with the 15 and the 10 and the 10 and the two the other two tens are kind of hanging around the back claiming objectives whatever and then as the game kind of goes on those other pistolers they kind of surge forwards and then they kind of come in with the rest of the you know the same buffs that the other 35 had but as a second wave yeah. um it just yeah i was finding that just because they didn't all get it they usually all had it at some point you know there was never a time that all 55 were running around with you know plus one hit plus one a wound but you yeah, throw okay. you throw 15 in then the counter charge would come in and kill 15 and you'd go right cool now here's another 10 doing the same and another 10 doing the same and then the game's over and you're dead it's it's that kind of thing so some people in the chat are calling me out for saying um cavalry the pistolets have big bases in context of like a 25 mil base yes it's a bit bigger um but yes i mean they're not huge not demigriff knight bases but um just something to keep in mind because wholly within 12 is is only a small radius it's not 18 yeah. so uh yes trying to put all of those pistolets on a you know within a, a 12 inches is probably near impossible that's mm. um Something to keep in mind, I think you've called out a really good point about waves and just making sure, um, you know, your general is kind of supporting as you're building those waves. Um, mm. Mind you, the, the, seer, the seer stone amulet, which is the other artifact choice, is not a bad one for something like this as well, getting on a four plus an additional command point. Um, and if you are CP hungry, you could tap into the, um, the what's the spell? It's called uh, Celestial Visions to get an extra command point. So there's an yeah. easy way to get a whole bunch of command points in this army mm, exactly and someone made a good point in the um in the chat as well about taking outriders because the outriders yeah. do go in that battalion as well uh and it is and i have used it and i've even got them built and painted you can very easily take 10 free guild out and just swap them for two fives of outriders which is perfectly valid i, I mean i quite like them the only reason i didn't use them in the end was because they, they couldn't hit for toffee and because they were always the unit that got left behind without the buffs they were you know sat there hitting on fives which they didn't really do a lot but the the retreating from combat thing was quite nice as well you could use them as bait you could use them as screens um like early you know if you're not going first you could just use them as screens and then retreat out of combat and still be doing some shooting and stuff um but yeah just just an fyi 10 free guild for two times five outriders is perfectly good as well yeah and, we, and i have seen some variants where they've gone the outriders um because the outriders do bring something a little bit different to the table um you've got the knight of zeros which we know is going to give plus one uh, so re-roll once to hit when when uh enemies are within their aura uh you've got that once per game battle uh like the lantern that can do lantern, d3 yeah. or d6 mortal wounds depending if you're chaos or not mm -hmm. uh it flies, so it's a fast-moving unit that can kind of keep up with the pistolers and the, yeah. the, the moving force. Is there anything else that the the, the Knight of Zeros brings to the table? It is just actually another hero. I, I do, I did feel that I needed another hero. Two wasn't quite enough, especially when they needed to be more where the units were that were doing damage. So if you had, say, hero-based missions, you'd want something a little bit cheaper that could be left behind, guarding objectives if need be. Uh, the fact that it's quite tanky because it's a stormcast just helps. Uh, you know, the 
but the re-roll ones, yeah, as you say, that that's its primary role. But its secondary role was being a cheap character for character missions. What's great is that this list is a three drop because you got the battalion, right? Everything's kind yeah. of basically going to be wrapped up in the battalion outside of the Azeros and the Huracanum. Uh, and what's really cool, and, and Bryce, uh, sorry, Bryce, um, Hay Hayden's kind of called out in the chat as well that, you know, this is a way that you could also bring those gun haulers, those KO gun haulers into the battalion and yeah. you don't have to worry about those drops too because you can have zero to two gunstock gun haulers, um, gunstock gun haulers into this, mm. this list as well. So but, if you want to bring that KO and the fly high stuff, you can't do the ironclads, but you can do the gun haulers. Yeah. I mean, the thing that really annoyed me, I mean, um, the first thing I'm going to check come the new handbook is to see if the free guild general or the hurricane go down by 20 points, because if they do this list become, because the, the chrono, uh, the cogs, which we haven't mentioned yet, the cogs are nice, but you're so fast anyway, they're not actually that key. They're not, hundreds a lot of the time i was thinking i could probably drop it for a command point and a, a triumph bid I'm not really going to miss them that much but you can drop 10 free guild and the cogs you get to 280 if you can find another 20 points you've got 300 for two gun haulers and that list would be then <clears throat> perfect it's funny you mention that because um i played a list kind i played a list kind of like this but I didn't take the uh, the Wind Riders, and my my internal struggles, despite owning three free guild generals on Griffin, literally next to me in my cabinet, um, I went with the um, the the Frost Heart Phoenix, and the reason for it is it's the, currently as it stands, it's th they're the same points. Um, I get the minus one to hit aura. Um, it's just more durable and tanky to to, to take on the buffs. It kind of synergizes well with the Hurricane of giving it plus one to wound. So sorry, sorry, plus one save if it's within the aura. Um, but you're right. Like I think the Griffin needs to go down a little bit. But that's that's a conversation for the future. That's a Games uh, Workshop conversation. Yeah. I I think you're right though. If you weren't taking the um, the battalion, the battalion. And, and to be fair, I will you know state that the battalion is actually really good. But if you weren't taking the battalion, I wouldn't be taking the free guild general. Yes, Thank yeah. You. I think you know for the same points you've got the the anointed on Frost Phoenix or you've got the Dreadlord on Black Dragon, both probably much stronger beat sticks or detractors than the mm. Griffin. But but the, the the thing that comes down to is that battalion is just so good for what you're trying to do because it allows you to retreat and still shoot or retreat and still charge. So you're always keeping those pistoliers mobile and shooting and doing what they do, not getting bogged down in combat unless they you know absolutely have to how do you how do you take advantage of the battalion because uh so for the battalion you get to uh, uh retreat and still shoot is that correct yeah uh, you get to retreat shoot and or charge well it says and or charge so both basically so you, you're just getting your four pistol shots every turn into a target that you probably want to be shooting rather than the thing that you're in combat with Forced to shoot, it, it, it allows just, you to kind of charge in, shoot, 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 and then you know, next turn you retreat out and then go in again, go for that shoot, shoot, shoot. Exactly, even yeah. if you just even if you just charge the exact same unit you're just fighting, it just allows you to double tap into the, the shooting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, at the very least, it's giving you two shots per guy left alive again, yeah, at the very least, but more, and more, more likely, damage, right? yeah, and more damage, but realistically, it's. You know, you, you kind of you find you're coming out of combat and then maybe going around and then still charging the same unit, but 
charging the same unit and making sure that there's more of your models in the comp in range of the objective and you know you're playing this kind of whittling game it is literally death by a thousand cuts but you have to make sure that you are apportioning your damage at the correct places of the enemy battle line you can't just kind of hit it across the line and just go cool well, i'm going to win an attrition battle because you won't they're not that tanky um they, they're not bad in the first turn but they're not it's not a tanky army by any stretch of the imagination so you have to use your numbers in the places that it will they will do the most damage do you find do you find with these big blocks of pistoliers um and and free guild generally have low bravery um do you find that these guys are at a big risk of um of being battle shocked off yep which is why the patrician helm is a thing yeah, yeah. Uh, so you really don't think about positioning where you generally yeah. Is the, yeah exactly and the command points are usually saved for and again this is why i was not massively married to the idea of having the cogs the cogs were nice but i wasn't sometimes i wasn't even casting them because i didn't need the extra movement because they were already yeah. so fast so having another command point in the bank and having um, a triumph, which sometimes can be a battle shock immune kind of one shot as well. Just I, I could see the the argument for taking no cogs and, and and being eighty points under for for the command point to do pretty much the same thing. You know, just ignore the battle shock. Yeah, no, interesting point. Interesting. And again, the beautiful thing about these list discussions that I've been having with people like Gary is that. There is no one way to build an army and you know you if you want to build a uh, an elf version of this or a dwarden version of tempest die go do it <laughs> and you know there's a lot of cool ways you can go and build around you know whatever your favorite model or whatever your favorite strategy is um we're not showing off my list but currently one of my builds is you know having the dreadlord on black dragon he's a combat beat stick supported by two drakes um two drakes uh drake spawn knights again they're combat then there's certainly no shooting um, but I'm tapping into that high movement, high combat, and going in for more of a, a fast damage dealing in combat as opposed to the shooting and kind of manipulating the board. Um, there's just a lot of different ways you can do this. So one of the many examples. Yeah. And we'll probably see one of these in a minute, I'm guessing. Well, da -da -da. Uh, the, the last and final list that you've sent to me is, um, so you've got the Hurricardum, Thermal Rider Cloak, Strike of Eagles, Cool, we've acknowledged that. Um, by the way, uh, I'd say you're right. For, for me, I've talked about my combat version of this. Um, mm. I've been putting on my Harakana, the Aura of Glory, which basically gives me plus one attack characteristics to melee weapons for Tempest Eye within 12. Mm. So when I get my Dreadlord on Black Dragon and my Drakespawn Knights going in for the charge, when they charge, they get Rend, uh, rend minus two for two damage, which is pretty sexy. The, the, the Dreadlord on Black Dragon's command trait kind of synergizes really well with the Drakespawn. And the bite attack from the, the Dreadlord, when I give it an extra attack, uh, I've got I think, two chances or there's a couple of chances and it does D6 damage. So, um, again, just proof that it doesn't have to be a shooting only army. Um, hmm. So, but, but choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised you've got this one as well because uh, this is just a, uh, uh, like a, a tweak to the previous one it's the the tweak that i mentioned in fact well here's oh. another one here's another yeah, one this is the one it, i like all right you, you sent me like five lists gary you okay. sent me five lists all right well the the, the last list is that we talked about is the hurricanum uh again insert thermal rider cloak strike of eagles we've got a battle mage you didn't tell me which battle mage uh, it Gur. is Gur. Gur? Gur, yeah what what does go bring to the table 
uh, plus two charge because right. I got a whacking great big unit of hammers. We've also got two rune lords. We've got a warden king, which is the general with Hawkeye. Uh, 30 hammerers, 10 long beards with the uh, ancestral weapons and shields, who are also your honored retinue. You've got 30 uh, drake, iron drakes, three gyrocopters, one grunstock gun hauler, uh, and then soul screen bridge. So let's go to the top. Hurricanum, we know what it does. Close yep. that out. Battle mage, you've told us from Gur giving us some extra movement. Mm-hmm. Um, what next? What, what else do I do? What do I need to know about the battle mage and the rune lords? Right. The- Battle Mage is good, obviously, so it's allowing you you're doing the whole kind of... It, it's basically very similar to the Hallow Heart list that was doing the rounds, but it's the Tempest Eye version with Dwarves. Um, so you've got the Gur Mage to do the charging, and it's obviously the, the Hallow Heart did more shooting, magic superiority and shooting. This has got a, a strong combat element to it. So Gur Battle Mage combines with the Hammerers. We get plus one to charge anyway because of their command model. So plus three to charge, um, teleported by the, the bridge, and off you go. Warden King gives him extra attacks. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a combined arms teleporting army, and the Battle Mage just lets those charges go off quite regularly. Um, the Rune Lords are basically giving extra rend to the Hammerers, so you can give, mm-hmm. and there's nothing stopping that stacking at the moment, so you can get those Hammerers with plus two to rend on top of their already plus one, so they're minus three rend. So minus three rend, plus one attack, plus three to the charge. Uh, Warden King is just a buff piece. Again, his innate command ability is is given those units plus one attack. He picks a unit, and every every t- it's not even like a unit of your stuff. It's a, a unit of the enemy stuff. You pick a unit, and anyone that attacks that in the combat phase is plus one attack. Um, so he's kind of he's both combat, and he's also got Hawkeye for. For the shooting kind of element as well so your character package is is basically buff it's it's all buff character package um the rune lords obviously in this day and age as well have also got a, a, a great secondary role which is that they're really good at dispelling mm. they have got an innate dispelling kind of thing so again we're talking about magic superiority being a thing nowadays so again if you're going first or even second and you can get up the table you've got to very reliable dispels and two other normal dispels. So you've got four dispels to, to try and shut down these magic superiority lists uh, with uh, quite a good chance as well. Or, or you know, another way to do it is you could always um, use the Rune Lord to unbind the Soul Screen Breach and then recast it with your Hurricanum or your Battle exactly. Mage. Yeah. So I mean, I was doing that with like my Everblaze Comet, but um, when I was playing my Hello Heart Everblaze Comet list, um, I would cast that with the Knight Encantor. And then the next battle round, I could unbind it with the um, with the anointed. Um, if I wanted to get, you know, I want it, you know, base, and then I could I could recast it without sacrificing an unbind um, or a dispel from my battle mage, my Hurricanum. So um, mm. you then kind of almost do a second wave of teleporting using the Soul Screen Bridge. Exactly, exactly. The, the Warden King's also got a nice ability where he's got the Oath Stone as well, so you don't even have to build in the you know the the kind of Battle shock immunity kind of or, or command points. You can just kind of it just comes with the Warden King. He just yeah. doesn't move and suddenly everyone and 18 inches. It's it's a massive bubble. 
it's the same as the anointed with with, with my phoenix guide the phoenix guide and the anointed are a nice little synergy because if you are wholly, wholly within 18 of the anointed they're immune to battle shock so again if you're looking for cp or if you're looking for ways to kind of keep your traditional troops alive you're right the warden king and the anointed could be nice little ways to kind of um just basically have like a, a bunch of bodies that sit on an objective and not have to worry about uh battle being battle shocked off exactly yeah it's, it's great and then because it's based upon his movement which he doesn't move because you're being teleported by the sky screen bridge so solar screen bridge sorry so yeah he, he can't move in a turn that he does this it's fine i'm being teleported we're good so we get the synergy there um yeah but the rune lords even have like a, a, a another ability as well which lets them give uh, units a six up hard save like a you know like a damage prevention run which again yeah can stack so you can make things quite tanky if you really really need to you know you, you can put them into the long long beards or hammers in these grindy combats where you, all you want to do is just play delaying actions so yeah it's um it's, yeah it's a buff package of five heroes that are okay in their own right but they're really making the rest of the list work and the 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 Duarden or the um the the formerly the dispossessed they synergize really well with each other unlike the the old armies like the empire and the high elves and the dark elves those armies got basically split up into like three or four different armies while the Duarden really only got split up into two them the dispossessed and the ironwood arsenal so i find that if you start building around the Duarden you've got a lot more inherent synergy. So I can see, you know, the Rune Lord, the Warden King, the Hammers, the Longbeards, the Iron Drakes, they all kind of combine really well. You can do some very cool shenanigans there. Mm. Um, and we know, you know, teleporting Iron Drakes, you know, the the damage that those guys do, especially when they, they didn't move, they're just being set up, um, yeah. take up the board. Um, Double shots. Longbeards can give them re-roll one. The, you got the Hawkeye. You got the Longbeard grumbling. The, to the, the, throw in tor well. the torpedo in there as well. The the, yep. the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So all these things. I mean, the Longbeards again. Are, they're they're basically the best screen you can get in this kind of list because they're they're tanky screens, but they're just giving out these kind of buffs as well, almost as a second thought to the Iron Drakes and the Hammers and the Gyrocopters if you need them. Uh, they can even dispel the endless spell in a pinch, as well. So if you really want your your battle mage and your your hurricane to be casting genuine spells rather than trying to dispel the the skull, soul screen bridge, you can just have a poke at dispelling the bridge as well with your long bids. So mm. you don't have to waste a, a cast. Um, let's say Iron Drake's just good. Uh, Gyrocopter is what I was talking about earlier as well. They just they they don't even have to be teleported by the the bridge. They could be your roving objective claimers. Um, you, you can throw the command point on them as well sometimes so they can run and shoot and just kind of really get up into units' grills and, and do untold damage. Um, and, and that's from the, the spray. Because um, <laughs> I know the... And I know the gyrocopters feature really heavily in Anvil Guard because you've got the Ritualic spray back in there. You know, you basically reduce someone's armor to like nothing and then the gyrocopter does all its damage based off was it the armor profile or you roll a dice i can't remember exactly how the gyrocopter it's damage works it's it's the number of hits is equal to the number of models that are within eight inches so the better you move the more you can get within eight therefore the more shots you're going to get um but after you've worked out the number of shots you've got it's threes to hit fours to wound rend one so it's rends perfectly fine already 
but you can buff it with the Rune Lord to Ren 3, which for most things in the game becomes basically no armor save anyway. So it's very much yeah. the Anvil Guard kind of trick, but just in a different different way of doing it. Um, and you can, yeah, you can literally make minus three and and just annihilate units, like disappear, like almost to the point there's no point rolling the dice because, you know, if you're hitting 20 models three times, you know, that's 60 hits, 40 get through, 20, 20 will probably wound, and then you get no armor save for it. That's it. That's, that's 20 clan ranks just dead. I know um, I haven't run the, the, the gyrocopters, and uh, it does break my heart to say that my armies are becoming more elf. Um, uh, <laughs> it's killing me because kill, killing my hobby dollars because I'm converting everything to be free guild, even though it has elf on the war scroll. Uh, but I'm instead of using that, I've been tapping into the Scourge Runner chariots, and um, they're 60, 60 points of pop, or you can get three for 180. Um, you know, and, and they kind of uh, form my harassment unit. They are super quick already. Um, they can do some serious damage from a shooting point of view as well. So, again, if you want to go the elf version or the Dwarden, yeah, if you want to go, like, depending on which way you want to go, uh, there are so many different ways you can kind of tap into this and get into the goodness of the plus one armor save, plus one shooting in the first, so plus, plus three movement, plus one armor save in the first battle round, as well as things like the shooting of benefits like Hawkeye or, you know, the combat stuff that I've talked about. So regardless, you've got two people here talking about two completely different things, yet we're in love with Tempest Eye. Hmm. Question from the chat, and it kind of is a very good one as well. If um, if in the future, because General's Handbook coming around, we don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Malign Sorcery, we don't know what happens with, you know, Forbidden Power and Endless Spells and all this stuff, and maybe it becomes really expensive, but let's say hypothetically Soul Screen Bridge disappears, whether it's mm -hmm. it's no longer available, whether its points are just too not worth the, the bringing to the table. Do you think that your, your army or anyone building around Soul Screen Bridge, does that impact the strategy of what you just talked about? Uh, I don't think it does, unless it goes up by a lot. I mean, there's still spare points, I think, in that list. I still think it'll be viable. Um, but yes, if, you, if, it, if it disappeared, then that list would have to have some kind of elements looked at. But I don't think it would um, necessarily be bad. It'll just be it'll be a slow it'll be a slow burn rather than a kind of turn one kind of. By the way, there's 1,500 points worth of dwarf. Just deal with it. You know, yeah. be kind of a better play it more mundane. But again, not bad. Uh, you, you, you lose the alpha strike and you lose the ability to kind of tap into some of those setup. You know, if if the unit doesn't move um, mm. benefits, but I would not say that any of the lists that you've shown so far with Soul Screen Breach would just collapse. Um, but you you may find things like Shadow Warriors become more important because they give you the alpha strike. Um, yeah. You might find other ways to, like the gun hauler fly high might be more important. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd probably lay off the, the hammers a little bit, yeah, because suddenly 30 getting in is not a reliable thing. It's like 20 is nice just to have a combat threat rather than a kind of, you know, knockout punch. So then those yeah. points get spent somewhere else. You, you drop the bridge, suddenly you're looking at 200 something points maybe, and then suddenly you take a second gun hauler and you're playing that kind of, solid core with harassing units you know it'll modify no doubt but i don't think it'd be dead 
And I think that's the the benefit, right? If in the future the meta changes, you know, we don't know what um, the Luminaire's going to bring to the table. We don't know what Gargan's bringing to the table. We don't know what's being released after that. We don't know what the General's Handbook's bringing. The wonderful thing about cities, and I keep talking about this in the cities shows, is that there's so much variety between the Stormcast book, one in four. Tempest Die brings us one in four KO. We've obviously got uh, all the deep ally pools. We've got our own book, which is probably the second largest book outside of Stormcast. We've got yeah. loads to choose from. You can adapt with the meta, whether there's an endless spell or there's no endless spells, whether the points increase on the Frost Hut Phoenix, cool, I'll go find the Flames Fire Phoenix or I'll do something with the Dreadlord or, you know, mm. I can I can change the the, the, the army style pretty instantly yeah. compared to something like Iron Jaws, which is pretty restrictive. Well, I mean, that list, you know, just this is all hypothetical, but again, that list, if you're not married to the idea of it being Tempest Eye and suddenly Soul Screen Bridge, for whatever reason, disappears and it isn't something, you can just throw that list almost completely over to Living City and it's perfectly fine. You probably yeah. drop the hammers and probably take Dracoths. That would be my preference. Yeah, or something like that. Something that can come on from the side, shoot, take the command ability. And you, you've, talk, you've talked about Living City, haven't you? Yeah, like where I, I had Rocco talking about it. I know he's in love with the formulators where where because because the beautiful thing with with Living City is that you get a free move um if it shoots and you don't have to do any big damage with it. So you can kind of just come on the side of the board, sh- find something that shoots, whether it's prosecutors, whether it's you know your sisters in the thorn, whether it's like there's so much, and then get a free move and then get into combat. So yeah, but it could even be those those iron drakes, because if they come on from the side, it's not yeah. a move. It's correct being set up. So you get a shoot, and then you still get to move after you've done your double shot. So they can even creep onto objectives. Try and, you know, yeah. So, yeah, that model, uh, I've looked at this, you know, because as you say, you know, we don't know what's happening and it could be big changes. I've, I've made sure that I'm painting that list at the moment, and I made sure I didn't end up painting it for just one little change to make it irrelevant. Yeah. And, and by the way, look, I'm not leading to the fact that I know something you don't know and Soul Screen Bridge is not coming, but it's always good to think about the meta. And I think yeah. the wonderful thing is that we can adapt to the meta. And whether Soul Screen Bridge is not around, whether we've got the boatman and maybe we rethink of the strategy, um, or you know, like, even even if the Soul Screen Bridge didn't disappear, it is going to get harder and harder and harder to cast with things like Lord Croak dominating the table right now. Um, you know, Zench, Zench is, you know, got some really strong magic casting. Techless is probably going to not la- allow you to cast a spell. So your your reliance on magic and being able to do what you do is going to get harder, I think, when the tournament recommits. Um, yeah. That's a fact. Um, Agreed. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking at my armies going, how do I remove as much magic as possible? Um, or how do I guarantee it? So do I go hallow heart and try to find these sorceress buffs with plus two to cast? Am I thinking about, you know, making sure that I'm sitting outside of, uh, of, of unbind ranges? And that's not to assume that people don't unbind table wide. So, um, I think having this one approach to your army is, Mm. is, is going to be harder and harder when we resume. Exactly. And that's the other thing. Yeah. That list literally without any changes would go into hallow heart and it would be perfectly viable. You know, you'd, you'd just be kind of changing your your spells, you know, and items a little bit, and that would be the end of it. You know, if you were really kind of married to the idea of wanting to, because I've converted my entire army to make men out of dwarfs, even the hurricane and everything. So you know, yeah. And I'm, I'm and I'm literally doing everything. I've I've turned my army, despite it being elves, 
um, as humans. So my my Phoenix Guard are all converted to be humans, you know, bringing um, you know great sword heads and all this stuff to kind of make it more free guild. Uh, and that's the, again the beautiful thing about this book is you know you can kind of put your flavor to an army. Yeah. To bring us home, I've got two two primary questions I want to close the show out with. Um, one is how do you win games with with Tempest Eye? So on average, high level, regardless of the opponent, regardless of the, the the scenario, what are the general things that you're doing to win the game? Movement and unrelenting pressure. That's There's so many things you could do that they can't cover the base, stopping you doing all of them all the time. There's always going to be cracks that you can use your superior movement to exploit, and you can always have the safety net of turn one being very much in your favor and dictating the tempo of the game, be that putting them on the back foot or, or blunting their first turn kind of shenanigans. That is basically how the army works. I know the thing that I've enjoyed the most with Temp, well, not the most, but it's, it's been really enjoyable, is that there's been a few armies that, um, and, I, and I, I keep posing this question to people, you know, how will you handle your army if a Stonehorn or a more Crusher turn one charges you before you put up your buffs um and i've seen a few you know and this is where some armies like gray water will collapse because they just don't have um the bodies and, the, and you know yes you can do this crazy output of shooting at a long range but you can't take a hit the beautiful thing with tempest die is with the plus one armor save that is regardless if you've taken the first turn or not so you can take a hit a little better than mm. than you know any other build yeah, exactly. And then you can just, well, or depending on the build, you could just get out and then just play the range game, or you can, you know, with the ironclad, maybe you can make 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 a minus two to hit and then just sit, sit there and just kind of go play the objective game while they're just flailing wildly at minus two to hit ironclad. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's always options. You've got enough tools, and I think of all the allegiance, mini allegiances in the book, you've got the most tools. I mean, Hallerheart's got maybe got the best tools. Yeah. I think living this and living cities. I think living cities is the one that keeps going under the radar. But there's that and Tempest Eye. I think yeah, some yeah. of the best. There's, there's so many. As I say, there's so many things you can do. It's it's just insane. So you play someone who's not played it before, and they can go, oh, well, you're fast, and you can go there, and you can go there, and you go, yeah, and I can also do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and then like the next turn, they're like, oh, hang on a minute, you know. It's always, it's always fun telling them what you could do. You go, oh, by the way, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, 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 this and this, and then just watch them scratch their head for five minutes while they're kind of working out, you know, how am I going to stop them doing one of these 17 different things and being anywhere on the table whenever you want to. Yeah, I've had the most fun with Tempest Eye, to be honest. As much as I enjoy magic with Halo Heart, um, it just solely relies too much on the um, getting that plus to cast and then just, you know, I mean, there's some other ways to build around it. it yeah, magical supremacy is fun, but board manipulation and and, um, and moving around and just like dictating the terms of battle. It's I feel like it's very deep kin, kind of almost like you're playing with a whole bunch of you. You're playing with pseudo eels here. You know, running around with all your eels and you know doing some shenanigans. I'll tell you a I'll tell you a little trick. Uh, it's a it's a KO trick. You, you won't like this, but it's a no no no. no, no. Take right. people get, get your notepads out. No, you won't you won't like it. But oh. if you've got boats, which can fly high and then land nine inches away, as you make a big point of telling them that they can do this, just, you know, by the way, did you know my boat can be anywhere on the table nine inches away at any point because I've got this rule? 
And they're like, oh, cool, right, thanks very much. And as they're deploying, you just walk around the table with a nine-inch ruler going, hmm, you're going to put it there? Okay, cool. And then just, just yeah. All right, all right, I'll be honest. I do that with Shadow Warriors a few times. Like, I'll do Shadow Warriors and I'll come down with my, I've got, like, I don't know, six or eight little, like, nine-inch gauges. I'll come down and I'll just drop them around and just be annoying. And I might not have... Uh, any any reason to do it? I just want to get in their heads, but um, yeah, right. you just get like the little nine inch uh, little rulers and just just keep pop, popping them around all the table, just going okay, okay. Yeah. You just measure like a. <laughs> oh, this is too fun! All right, final question. I know you got bedtime, and I want to eat some breakfast. What have you learnt by playing this army that might not be as obvious on the table? Uh, compared to being in the book, like if I'm just reading the book for the first time, what what uh, what might I miss, or what might um, yeah, what have you learned from your experience? Basically, well, is what I probably what I mentioned earlier, which is the 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 pistoliers. The pistoliers are good on paper, and then when you look at it and you play with it, you're like, actually, they're almost twice as good as you thought they were. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can I can shoot and I can pistol. Cool, you know that's kind of cool. And then they get into combat and they die, and suddenly you play the list and you're like, oh, actually, no, I don't die. I kind of I shoot and then I shoot again and then I hose them with another four attacks hitting on twos and then they're all dead. You know, the, the, it is uh, an echelon above the damage that you thought you you were looking at on paper when you when you put it in real world kind of experience. If you're careful, those pistoliers can, as I say, eight dice each. Most of them hitting on twos. You know, yeah. every turn the the. The granular damage that the pistoliers can put out is actually obscene, if you think about it. And against certain, I mean, I tabled a night haunt list in two turns with their, you know, four up with ethereal. I know night haunt aren't amazing, but when you think about it, it's like, oh right, you know, you've just got dice for days if you need it. I I, I have struggled though. Like, I, mind you, I didn't go completely full full in my build with the the um the pistoliers like you did. But I know when I had my my buffed up unit of ten pistolies and they ran into a bunch of Mortec guard, um, they did a whole lot of nothing. Um, mm. The rend minus one just wasn't enough to kind of cut through um, mm. OBR's Petrofix Elite. Um, so maybe that was me playing it wrong, or maybe I just didn't. Maybe I didn't have as much damage like you did because I certainly didn't have the fifty odd pistolies. So the weight of dice would have probably worked in my favor. But at least they they don't get to put up their shield wall. So. Um, you're kind of bringing them down to a four plus armor safe, so you need a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, and it's just one thing. I mean, there's always going to be bad matchups for, for certain armies, and there's always going to be certain things that you have to play differently. And it, that, that might be one of those matchups where you have to play more cagey and more objective control. But against sad, other, sad, sadly, at that tournament, I played two Petrofix Elite OBR lists. They're like, can you, can you give me a better matchup? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Gary, I know it's like almost midnight for you and I think your daughter or your wife's running behind the scenes. Yeah. So um, is there anything you want to kind of bring us home with? Any any final comments? If people want to chat to you more, uh, where can they find you? Uh, best place to find me is usually on WhatsApp, on the WhatsApp chats. I don't tend to be on Twitter anymore at the moment, but um, yeah, WhatsApp. I have noticed there. that. Yeah, yeah, no, just, uh, just uh, the world as it is at the moment. I'm staying away from the media. So I'm keeping to my little hobby niches on WhatsApp. So it was, you know, if it's city specifically, I'm on the city's WhatsApp chat. You can always PM me, not a problem. I need to uh, use that more. Uh, you know, I'm useless yeah, when it comes to uh, 
Please, I'm all about Discord now, man. Discord's all about where it's happening. Um, Gary, thank you very much. If you guys have enjoyed this show, as always, comment, like, subscribe, smash the like button, all that stuff, and leave comments as well. Let me know how your Tempest Eye list are building, what synergies that you're finding. I think, again, Cities of Sigma are so deep that, you know, we've just scratched the surface. There's probably a million builds we can kind of tap into if we went harder on the Stormcast or if we looked at some of the other varieties of, temp of um, Carriage and Overlords or even brought in some allies. Like, what does Tempest Eye look like with a Gotrek? Uh, there's just so much going on that um, uh, that's the beautiful thing about this book is it's just going to continue to evolve and you can stay here as long as you want. Gary, God damn it, you are a legend. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, have a great night, folks, and I hope you enjoyed. See you guys. <laughs>